Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Amen. My message today is called Confidence in Christ, a boating story. And if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Mark 4 this morning. I like the idea of boating. I like the idea of going on a cruise. It sounds like it would be a lot of fun. I hear about some people going cruising like Will and Jenny, like Bo and Anita, and I think to myself, that sounds good. But I've seen the movie Titanic, which makes me question, maybe I don't want to do it. I like the idea of boats, but whenever I've gone out in a big boat, I've got seasick. I went out snorkeling once off Mission Beach. We went right out, and I felt so sick. I thought when I get in the water, I'll feel better, but I was still sick. Boating's not great. So it doesn't fill me with confidence when I hop in a boat. I have my boat license. Yes, really. I got it the first time I ever drove a boat, I got my boat license. So when, when I was in, I was a chaplain at Ingham State High School, the year 11 and 12s were going for their boat license. They said, Jason, would you like it? I said, yes, I'd love to do that. So then I had to get in, in the boat and drive it. And I thought, God, help me. I don't even know how to start the boat. So we're driving along. They wanted me to do a figure eight in the water and pull up and dock against uh, an edging. And somehow I pulled it off. I don't know how. I said, wow, that's amazing. Then they said, so we're flying along. I said, now we've got to practice. If someone falls out of a boat, you've got to be able to go and pick them up. So they don't throw someone overboard, fortunately. They just throw a life jacket over, and you've got to drive the boat around. Some of you already know what I'm talking about, but you've got to drive the boat around so that the life jacket bobs up to the end of the boat, and then you pick it up. So I did, they did that, so we're flying along, and he throws out the life jacket. The guy who's doing the life says, now go back and pick it up. I said, all right, so I fly around, and I come over, and I start to slow down, but I ran over the life jacket. So the person would have been dead. And I remember the guy looking at the other fellow goes, will we give him his license? The other fellow goes, yeah, give it to him. And I said, yes. Now, my father-in-law's got a boat, Greg. And he said, anytime you want to use your boat, my boat, you can come and take it and take it out. I said, thank you so much. So no one tell him that story. But if I asked you, I said, hey, Dylan, do you want to come for a ride in the boat? We're going out. He would not be filled with confidence because of who's driving, because who's in it. So I'm going to ask a few guys to come out in the boat one time. I hope you all come. But the story of Mark 4 is, is, is a little bit like that. But Jesus, let me tell you what's going on. Jesus has just finished teaching, and then he decides he wants to get in the boat, and he wants to go over to this place. And he says to the disciples, all right, everybody jump in the boat. We're going to go over. So they go, everyone hops in the boat. Jesus jumps in. The Bible says he goes to the back, or for those who speak boat language, the stern. So you've got the sterns, the back, the bows, the front, the port side is on the right. Yes, yeah, sorry, yes, port's on the left, starboard, starboard's on the right. I knew that. Confidence in me is going down as we speak and in the boating. So, so the Bible says that Jesus gets on the boat, grabs a cushion, and goes down the back of the boat to the stern, they take off and he goes to sleep. 
and they're heading off. And they take off. And this is where we step into the story. And, and I want to share with you today four reasons we can have confidence in Christ. I just want to encourage people this morning that we can have confidence in Christ. This isn't a message to try and get people to step out in faith a bit more or something like that. But I just believe that this morning we need to just be filled with some more confidence in Christ. That we can live a great life. That we can face the challenges we face in life because Jesus is in our lives. So the first reason is this. Jesus gets us to our destination. Mark 4, 35 to 37 says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. When I read this, I see that Jesus gave them a task. He gave them a destination to go to. He says, hey, we're going over here. But on the way, as the boat's taken off, as they get to about the middle of the lake, a furious storm comes up. In our life, the same thing takes place. God gives us a dream, a vision, a task to go over. We get really excited. We're going off. We're with Jesus. As we head off, something happens along the way, and we can become discouraged. Some people give up. Some people say this is too hard. But I want to say that's normal. That whenever God gives us something, there's always stuff that comes up along the way. In Jesus, we can be confident. I know in my life, there's been times where God's given me a dream and along the way, things have gotten hard. I remember, I remember when God told me one day, you're going to be a youth pastor. I thought, how cool is that? That's exciting. So I go off this awesome dream and I told people about my dream and I got excited for it. But every time the youth pastor's job came up, they gave it to someone else. Every single time it was just somebody else, someone else got the job. And, and I'm sitting there going, God, you've given me this dream. And I remember the day I walked into my pastor's office, my senior pastor, and I sat there and I said to him, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to be a senior pastor. At this stage, I, was about, I think I was about 27 years old. And I was getting a bit older for youth pastors. And I said, I don't think I'm ever going to be a youth pastor. I, I said, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to work really hard, becoming an assistant pastor, and, and this bounce from there. And my senior pastor said, okay, and listened. And about 12 months later, we sat down for a conversation. He said, the youth pastor's leaving. I'd like you to be the youth pastor. And I spoke to him. I said, I, I thought this was over. He said, you know, when you came and told that to me, I thought you were wrong. And the reality was, all that happened was I gave up on my dream. God had spoken something to me, and I said, you know what, my, my, my experiences, what I'm seeing is telling me one thing, and I'm going to listen to that rather than the dream and the task God's given me. Another time, Renee and I were dating, and God had spoken to me and said, you're going to get married. But the, the crazy thing was, after, about, after a long period of time, we broke up. I remember going, God, I thought you said we were going to get married. God just said, trust me. I said, all right. And then a little while later, we got engaged. It was probably about six months later we got engaged, and we were married really quickly after that. Then another time when I became school chaplain. When I became school chaplain, it was only for a 12-month maternity leave period. And I remember seeing that and thinking, okay. But God spoke to me. He said, you're the chaplain of the school. 
And I thought, that's cool. I actually believed that it wasn't just for a maternity leave period. It was actually for good. But every time the chaplain came in after she had the baby, said, oh, next year when I do this, next year when I'm back, I'm going to do this. Next year when I do that, I'm going to get that office back that I really like, that your principal kicked you out of and put you in this old stingy room. I'm just going to go and I'm going to get the office back. And something in me was gone. That hurts. Because you, God, I feel you've told me I'm going to be the chaplain, but everything she's saying is telling me otherwise. But at the end of the year, she came up to me and said, oh, I feel my time as a chaplain's over. And I applied for the job and I got it full time. In this season of my life, God's taught me that as I go through hardships, as things come along and might tell me that the dream's never going to take place, I need to listen to what God says and not to the storms, not to the events, not to the things that take place. I don't, I never used to like flying. Who likes to fly? Who hates flying? Got a few people, yep. I, I never used to like it. I've often wondered why they even bothered doing the safety demonstration. I usually put the headphones in my ears and I don't listen. I just sort of every now and then I look up to see what she's doing. But when the plane crashes, there's no way any of that stuff's going to help me. Although, if the plane was going down, I would pull out the, the uh, life jacket and I'd put it on, even though I'm not crashing into the water. Hopefully that'll help. I would get the whistle. I'd start blowing the whistle, hoping it'd help. I'd flash the light out the window, SOS. The seatbelt's not going to help. All that I think it would do is when you crash, it'd help you identify the bodies a bit easier. I've never heard them go to the news and say this. Well, we're here with the Boeing 737 went down in, in, in uh, seat 3C. Jason Venados was there. He survived because he had his seatbelt on. Jack over here in, in, in 15B, he didn't. He's dead. When the plane goes down, there's fire. Everybody's dead. That is pretty pessimistic. But I think it's true. Unless your plane's that guy, Sully, who can land the plane on the Hudson River like a, like a skimming stone, you're in trouble. Let me finish. Let me finish. I'm not going to stop there. This is going somewhere. So that's how I felt till one day when I was sitting on the plane, I, I, I felt God's given me a dream and a purpose for my life. So this plane can't go down until I've fulfilled that dream that God's placed in my life. So this plane is the safest plane in the air. I'm pretty safe and everybody else here is safe because God's given me dreams for my life. And we could take that for our life as well. The fact that when God gives you a dream and a plan and a vision for your life, the bad stuff that can't, comes along can't stop you because God's given you a dream. Because he can't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. Not a human being that he'd change his mind. Promise and not deliver. He does what he says he will do. I love in the story, when they get to the other side, here's a spoiler alert, they make it to the other end. They get to the other end. They get out of the boat. On the other side, there's waiting for them a guy who's possessed by like a thousand demons. Because when Jesus talks to him, he says, we are legion for we are many. And a legion was about a thousand soldiers. And he's so full of demons. And yet Jesus turns up and he casts out the demon. See, here's the cool thing. God will get you to your destination. God will get you to your dream. Because during 
the ride, and when you get to the destination, other people are going to be set free. On the way, other people are going to be healed. On the way, other people are going to be restored. When you get there, something great's going to happen in someone else's life because your dream's not about you, it's about other people. You can have confidence in Christ to get you to your destination. I think that's great news. I think it's pretty cool that I can trust him. The second thing that as we read this is this. Jesus quiets the storm. Mark 37, 39 says this. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. They're in a massive storm. They're fearing that the boat's going to break up. There's waves coming over the edge of the boat. They're scared. And I think this is an amazing thought because at least four of the guys in the boat, Peter, Andrew, James and John are fishermen. They're used to being on bodies of water. They'd be used to being in rough weather, but yet this is so rough, they're fearing they're going to die. So they wake up Jesus. Jesus gets up and he says, be still. And in one moment, everything, the waves stop, the wind just, it's dead calm. Not a breeze in the sky, not a wave on the water. Like Bowen on a work day. I grew up at Forest Beach and I used to, when, when I first left school, I was about 19, I was unemployed, we were bored. So my mates and I had two friends and we would take this wooden boat, it was eight foot long, if that, it had a four horsepower engine on the back and we'd take it out to the reef, not down the creek, out to the reef, which was about, it was Lady Elliot Reef, which is about a five, probably about five k's out, maybe more, I'm not great with distance, but it was a long way out. So if the boat goes down... I'm probably not swimming back. But we were bored, so we'd go out and we'd have a good time out there. When we were out there, you'd sometimes see big sharks that were longer than the boat go past. Big turtles go under the boat that were probably bigger than the boat. The boat itself wasn't great because water would seep through the cracks in the bottom of the boat. So halfway through the fishing trip, you'd have to scoop the water out over the edge. But we were bored. We wanted to go and do something. And to make things worse... I'd watched some documentaries when I was younger. I saw this documentary called Air Jaws. Air Jaws was a scary documentary because it was a documentary about these sharks, great white sharks, who, when they were hunting seals in a certain part of the ocean, they would hit the great, they'd hit the, the, the seal from the bottom, grab the seal, leave the water entirely. Like they, were, they cleared the water, swung back around, hit the water and kept swimming. And I'd, I'd picture this when I was out there. A great white could jump out of the water, grab me, just keep on swimming. Well, I had, I had a crazy imagination. And some nights when we would go out there, there would be lightning out in the, in the sky and I'd be saying, man, we've got to get going. There's a storm coming, but they wouldn't go because they just wanted to stay fishing. Or this one time it was so rough, we were coming home and my mate turned sideways to try to get to the, the boat ramp, but we're still a long way out and the boat almost capsized and we're still too far out to swim back to shore. I thought we were going to die, but we lived. 
see, in life, when you're in a boat, you're pretty safe as long as what's on the outside of the boat stays on the outside and doesn't get on the inside. In this moment, the disciples thought that what was on the outside was about to come on the inside. In our lives, as long as the stuff that's on the outside stays on the outside, we're happy. But once stuff starts getting on the inside, once we start getting depressed stuff, once we start feeling down, once, once brokenness starts to come over our life, once the, the surroundings around us make us feel helpless, we feel like we're going to sink and we're in trouble. The storm gets so big, we say, who's going to save me from this storm? And it feels like... Or maybe you don't even know Jesus, but when you do, it feels like Jesus is asleep in the stern. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, what are you doing? Why are things going the way they are? But the disciples went and woke Jesus up, and Jesus came out and said, be still. And it stopped. In our life, we can take confidence from Christ because in our darkest moments, We can go to Jesus and wake him up and he'll speak to the storm for us. That's what gives me confidence. No matter how hard things get, no matter how bad things are right now, Jesus, you're in the boat with me, so I'm safe. In my life, I've had some dark days. The darkest moment in my life was before I got saved when I had insomnia. And it felt like things would be this way for the rest of my life. Not being able to sleep all night. But one night, when I was in my room, I had an encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything. That night, I went to sleep. What was the difference? I was living my life without Jesus in the boat, and now he was in the boat. In my job where I work, we used to have a boss when I was doing JA, and she wasn't a very nice boss. She was a bully. And she was so hard to work with. So one thing I would do... I would finish at 5 o'clock because I'd work really, really, really hard so I could finish at 5 so I could then go and work out and, and do boot camp to get fit. I've got to keep looking this good. And um, i got to keep looking good. So I'd work out. But I worked so hard so I'd get my work done. And, and I was the, t- the, the, the leader in the office. And, and this, this lady would ring up the other workers who weren't as quick as me but were staying around and said, Where's Jason? Oh, no, he's left. Oh, he's a leader. He shouldn't have gone home yet. So she's undermining me behind my back. Then one day, she comes storming into the office. She goes to the toilet. Now, I may have left the toilet seat up. I'm not sure. But she comes back. She said, Jason, you've left the toilet seat up. I said, oh, okay. I'm going to HR. I thought this is the most ridiculous thing I've heard in my life. Someone's going to HR over the toilet seat being left up. I quit that day, but then I had to turn around and say, look, I'm sorry, and I got my job back. But work got really hard. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't sleep. It just got really bad, and I just said, this is so hard. I wanted to quit every day. But the thing that kept me going is, is I knew that there's light at the end of the tunnel because Jesus is in my life. Jesus is with me. And God wouldn't let me quit because he was doing something in my life. God, can I leave? No. Why not? He didn't give me an answer to that one, but I knew he was doing something in my life. Same as us in our life. Don't know about you. What's going on in your life right now? Is your marriage about to break up? Is your business falling to pieces? Do you feel helpless? Is one of your kids addicted to drugs and it seems like they're never going to get free? What is the storm in your life? Never forget, 
that Jesus is in your life. It might be simple, you don't have a job, but you want one. Jesus is in your life. Jesus is with you. Another boat story in the Bible is the one where Jesus sends the disciples off in the boat. He says, you go off, and he goes up on a mountain top to pray. And while he's up there, he, he looks down and he sees that they've got to about halfway across and they're straining at the oars because it's got a bit rough out there. And the Bible says that he came out walking to them on the water. That's the story. And then Peter says, hey, call me and I'll, I'll walk on the water. Peter comes down. He walks towards Jesus. But the amazing thing in that story, if you read it, is the Bible said they were about halfway. Jesus gets into the boat at the end. And then the next thing the Bible says, and then they were at their destination. What a miracle. And it reminds me, that Jesus can do the miraculous to get us to our destination, no matter what we're going through, no matter how hard things are, Jesus can get us to the other side of our problems. He'll do whatever miracle it takes. Whatever it takes, he'll get us there. What an awesome God we serve. We can have so much confidence in him. The third thing is this. Jesus has power over everything. Mark chapter 4, 39 to 41 says this. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus has power over everything. There's nothing too big for him. There's nothing he can't do. Whenever you look through the Bible, he walked on water. He healed the blind. He gave hearing back. He cast out demons. There's nothing that is, was too big for Jesus. He called a guy out who'd been dead for days out of a tomb. There's nothing he couldn't do. Sometimes in our life, I think we get to a place where we think, man, this issue of my life, it's too big for God. This thing right now, it's too big. Yet God can do anything. I love in Genesis, God created the entire world just through speaking. And it's a really cool thing. Right at the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. But then you read it and God doesn't create the sun till day three. That's amazing. That there was light before there was even a sun. That tells me that God can speak stuff into our life and speak it into existence even though everything in the natural suggests it shouldn't be there. In another place, there's a king and he's dying. He's on his bed. And he's laying down and he's dying. And, and, and the prophet Isaiah comes to him. He says, God says this. He says, put your house in order. You're going to die. See, that, that's, that's real encouraging. He says, you're going to die. So then Isaiah leaves and he's walking along and he, he, he goes across the courtyard. And as he's about halfway through the courtyard, the king turns to the wall. And he says, God, I've served you all my life. I've done this and I've done that and I've done everything. And as he's walking, God stops Isaiah in his tracks and he turns back and he goes back and sees the king. And he says to the king, he says, here's the thing. God says, I'm going to give you 15 more years of your life. And then he gives him all these other promises. And, and the king says to him, he says, 
What is the sign that this is going to take place? And, and, and Isaiah says to him, well, you choose. Either the, the shade on the stairs from the sun can either go forward 10 steps or it can go back 10 steps. And the king goes, well, forward 10 steps is easy. I wanted to go back 10 steps. And the Bible says that the shade on the, on the stairs went back 10 steps. How amazing is that? God can do anything. There's nothing that's too big for him. What's going on in your life right now that you think's too big for God? It's not. He owns, the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So if you've got financial difficulties, God controls all the money. He holds the purse strings. He's in charge. I was reading just this, just yesterday about this guy named Brother you. Now, if you've ever read the book Heavenly Man, that's the guy from that book there. And I was reading about it, and, and the story was, I thought, really cool. And the story is about the fact that in China, it's a communist country, which means that if you believe in Jesus, if you're a Christian, and you're not part of the state-run church, there's every chance you could go to jail, be tortured, even die for your faith. And this brother Yoon, his family gets saved, and in the 1950s, they said that there was next to no Christians. When, when missionaries came in there to just check it out to see what was going on, they left there thinking, this, this place is ready for revival. Because there were no Christians. In the early 1900s, I was reading that there was actually secret societies that would go around and kill the Christians. Well, in the midst of all this atmosphere, Brother Yoon's family gets saved. And one day, Brother Yoon starts to pray for a Bible because before then, Christianity in China was pretty much experiential, which means they didn't have a Bible to look at truth. They were just relying on the experiences they had with the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father. And he's praying and praying and praying for a Bible. One night he goes to sleep and he has this dream that this old man's pushing a bread cart. And he's got two guys with him who are holding sacks. And And the guy asks Brother Yoon, he says to him, are you hungry for bread? He says, yes, I am. And then they open up one of the sacks and one of the men hand Brother Yoon a Bible. Brother Yoon wakes up. He believes God's given me a Bible, searches all through his house, doesn't find it, starts sobbing uncontrollably because it's not there. His family actually thought he had a nervous breakdown. Then there's a knock on the door and he hears a voice, which is the exact same voice he heard in the dream, opens the door. The same two guys that were holding the sacks are there and said, hey, you want a Bible? And they hand him a Bible. Now the story goes in the background. So while that's all going on, God's doing a work in the background. Son, you're taking my limelight here. I got to get used to that. So in that moment, there's stuff going on in the background. And What's happened is an old missionary's had a Bible and he's buried it in the ground. And the Holy Spirit's been speaking to him for a long time to dig it up and take it to a certain place. And after a while, he gives in to God, digs it up, grabs the old Bible, gives it to a guy. The guys had to deliver it in secret during the night because if they were found with the Bible, they could die. Give it to the guy and he's got a Bible. I thought, how awesome is God? What a miracle. There's nothing God can't do, but it gets better. He gets, not for him so much, but the story is better. He gets thrown in jail because he's part of the, the house church movement in China. And there's now more Christians in China than in any other country in the world. He's got 
thrown in jail because he, for better use of term, he's one of the pastors, one of the guys highs up. They throw him in jail, they torture him, they smash his legs with sledgehammers. He's in jail for a long time. One day the Holy Spirit speaks to him once he's able to walk again and says to him, just walk out. So he starts walking out. The first gate's unlocked. The guards are just watching him walk out. Goes to the next gate. The next gate's un- unlocked. He just walks all the way out. And he tells the story. He says, it was almost as though the guards couldn't see me. They looked straight through me as I just walked out. He now lives in China, uh, Germany as an exile in Germany. How awesome is God? There's nothing too big for him. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, God is big and he's great. There's nothing my God cannot do. That's the words to a song that I really like. There's nothing my God cannot do. Let's take confidence in that. You can have confidence in Christ that there's nothing too big for Jesus. The fourth and last thing is this. He cares about us. Mark 4.38 says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You ever felt like that? Jesus, don't you care my business is in trouble? Jesus, don't you care my marriage is breaking? Don't you care about my kids? Don't you care about... You finish the sentence. See, Satan's been telling that lie from the start. It was the first lie he told. When he came up to Eve, he said, did God really say not to eat from the fruit? From the start, the first thing he did was Satan tried to get Eve to doubt the nature of God. Try to believe that God was holding out on us. That God didn't want, to, want us to have something because he's a killjoy. That God didn't really love us because he's holding something back. Have you ever heard the lie, stuff like, if God really loved us, why is there so much pain? If God really loved us, why am I going through this? If God really loved us. But the reality is he does. And you've only got to look at the story of Jesus. In the gospel, it it, it shares words around the area like Jesus had compassion on them and healed all their sick. When he found out Lazarus was dead, he wept because he'd lost a great friend. In other parts, he's angry because the Pharisees and other people are more interested in rules and laws than they are in the person because Jesus loves people. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we could take trust and reliability that if Jesus loves people so much, then our God in heaven does too. So all he's interested in is people. He loves people. If I could get the band up, please. One day recently, I was holding my son, and uh, we were in the bedroom, I think, or we might have been in the lounge, and I was holding him, and I was, I was looking down at him. And just, I had the thought, and my heart felt really full, and it felt like it was going to burst, and I just looked at him and said, man, I, I love this kid so much. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, Jason, you know that feeling you've got for your son? That's the feeling I have for you, but more all the time. And it changed the way I saw God a little bit. And the way he felt about me became real in that moment. Another time, 
Hezekiah is just starting to say, Dad. Now, I don't know if he knows what he's saying, but I'm going to believe he does. Because I want to believe my son is really smart or smarter than he is. I'm not sure, but I'm believing he's saying, Dad, and he's talking to me. There we go. He's just backing me up. Look at that. See, we've got a thing going on here. We've also got an understanding that when he does a number two, it's while mum's holding him, not me. And most of the time he sticks to it. But one night, well, we're lying in bed. Well, Renee's lying in bed. I've got my feet up on the bed and I'm watching something on my iPad. And Renee's trying to get him to go to sleep and trying to teach him to just sort of self, not really self soothe but just to go to sleep on his own. But he's lying there, he's going, Dad. Hey, son, how are you, boy? Dad. Hey, son, right? No, no, don't talk to him. Just let him go off to sleep. You, you, keep, you keep on getting him all excited. So, yeah, yeah, no worries. Dad. Hey, boy. I couldn't help it. There was something in me that when I heard my son say, Dad, I had to respond. And in that, I got a revelation of God. When God hears us speak to him, when we say, Dad, he has to respond. Sometimes we think we're praying into the air or we're we're talking to God and there's nothing coming back. But the Bible assures us that he hears us call his name. David had a revelation of it when he said, My cry for help brings me right into into your presence, a private audience. We can take confidence knowing that Jesus loves us, that God cares, that he hears our cry, and that he comes to our rescue in our times of need. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.